Welcome to Christ Rehoboth Church, a place where we help people discover their purpose for living and raise kingdom people for global impact. Join us today as Reverend Kingsley Agu takes you deep into God's Word. This morning, I quickly want us to wrap up the leading of the Spirit in making and taking decisions and because I want to start on something very new. So, we yield to instructions at all times. You see, last week was a day I wanted to finish this, but the Lord intercepted our service. And you know, going forward, like I told you, we yield to the Spirit. Whichever direction God wants our service to go is what we go. We'll go by that. Amen. All right, very quickly, First Peter chapter 5, verse 7 to 10. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 to 10. Praise God. How many of you are excited to be here? Glory to God. It says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. The word care there is the same word as anxiety. What you are worried about. So Peter giving an instruction to cast, that is, throw our cares upon Jesus, that he cares for us. In other words, we have a God who cares about our well-being. So most of the time when we are asking, why must we follow the leading of the Spirit? We know we must follow because God cares about us. So he says you should throw your cares on him. Your anxieties, your worries on him. For he cares about you. That would mean that man is the person that can keep their cares away from Christ. But your role is to throw it on him. Because no matter who you are in life, there are things that comes to you that bothers you. You wake up daily wondering and thinking about how the day will go about. Jesus said, you seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added. He knew that there are things as humans we care about, we worry about, we think about. Sometimes we care about our future and we think about the future. Sometimes we make statements such as we don't know what the future holds. Hence, it breeds our worries. But Peter is saying we should cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. And then he says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I want you to pay attention to that verse 8. He said, be sober. In other words, be watchful. Why must you be watchful? The adversary is the devil. He's seeking whom he may devour. First of all, that is to show the devil does not have power. That is why he's seeking whom he may devour. And who will he devour? He is the person who doesn't know their stand in Christ. He says, your adversary, the devil, he's seeking whom he may devour. 
And the most dangerous people are those who know who they are in Christ. Who know what they carry. So he said you should cast your cares on him. And be watchful. Be mindful. That is to say. When those worries envelops your mind, you have given ways to the devil to unravel you into his world. You have paved way for him to control your life, to control your happiness, to control how you go about things. He said the devil is the adversaries. He is looking for whom he may devour. And he says... Whom resisted fast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. And don't forget, the Bible also tells us that you resist the devil and he flees from you. So how do you resist the devil? By giving yourself wholesomely to the leading of the spirit. That is by the word. Remember we said the leading of the spirit can be by the word. Can be by spoken word, written word. Can be through the pastor. It can be through the inward witness. So you resist and you become steadfast. And then it points your attention to those who also suffer like afflictions. That You see, sometimes we think that. When we go through things, it's only ourselves who are going through it. Remember for some Wednesdays now, we've been talking about when you are going through some things that you are going through, you are not only going through it by yourself alone. You are also going through it for someone because once you go through it, your, your, your experience is built so that when you now see somebody else going through it, you are able to guide them in the way of the Lord. Praise God. Then in verse 10, he said, But the God of all grace, who had called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish you, settle, I mean, strengthen and settle you. That means God is not oblivious of what you are going through. The reason you must submit to his leading. God cannot abandon you. You know, why growing up, there is this song that people used to sing. And thinking about it now, I'm falling in love with it. I am a divine project, never to be abandoned. I, it's not a project that, I can, that God can abandon. I am that God's project that he cannot abandon. So he said, after I have gone through these things, he will settle me. He will establish me. I am not who I am if I didn't go through what I went through. Oh, I thought I'm talking to somebody here. I can't handle things the way I handle things now if I have not gone through what I went through. So altogether, it's happening for my good. Glory to God. So God cares about you and why you are going through what you are going through. The reason you must give yourself to that leading of the Spirit. He's telling you, son, yeah, I know. You remember, David? Yet do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? I fear no evil. Why? You are with me. So David, a man of the Old Testament, could recognize God being with him. So when he walked through the valley of the shadow of death, he knew he was not alone. Glory to God. 
So why will God lead me? He cares about me. He cares about my, my affairs. He cares about my happiness. He cares about my well-being. He cares about my promotion. He cares about my gladness. So, in the toughest time, I still follow him. Because he will never lead me astray. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Quickly, Matthew chapter 13 verse 22. Matthew 13 verse 22. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Matthew 13 verse 22. We say the same word again. Amen. So, remember there is an adversary. And what the adversary is all about, you know, he said, for the devil comments to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But he says, but I am come that you may have life. So we already knows, know the ways of the devil is to kill, is to steal, and is to destroy. So when the devil is trying to use a situation about my life, I know without a prophecy that he has come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Because the devil is not happy that you are doing what you are doing. Can I talk to somebody here? No, you know, the enemy is not happy. The world is not happy that you are doing what you are doing. The reason you must totally submit your mind and totality to God in Matthew 13, 20, 13 30, 22, he said, He also that receives seed among the thorns, is he that heareth the word and the care of this world. The care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choked the world and he became unfruitful. When we do not allow God totally, we give in to the cares of this life. Trust me, the cares of this life will lead you to a place of unhappiness in life. A place of dissatisfaction where you think all things are not working for you. I was giving an illustration the other day. I said, you are driving a car now, but there are people who are praying for the exact car you are driving. Oh, people who don't have a car, they have a bicycle. There is someone praying for that bicycle. Who is walking on their Legedis Benz? You know what is Legedis? Legedis? <laughs> you know there's a Mercedes and there's a Legedis. <laughs> the Legedis is the one you use with your leg. <laughs> now, even the one that is walking on their feet, they are praying, God, if you can give me that bicycle. And here there is someone praying, if you can give me those two legs. Then the ones that are even praying for the two legs, they are praying, God, if you can give me those two legs. And here there is another who is praying, even though I don't have two legs, even though I don't have two hands, just give me life to live. So we, if you follow, if you follow the rudiment of this world, you will arrive at the place of dissatisfaction where you will not see all God has done and is doing for you. You are saying, oh, ah, my mates are doing better. But God is leading you through something. Glory to God. So it takes you being rooted in the world. When the cares of this life come, he will not swift you away. <laughs> 
Look at Luke 21 verse 34. Glory to God. I said glory. I said glory. Luke 21 verse 34. <laughs> Look at the instruction Christ gave here. And take heed to yourselves. Lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with sophiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. And so that death come upon you unawares. Jesus is saying, take heed. Say to someone, take heed. Take heed. He says that your heart be not overcharged. You know when, it, when your heart is overcharged concerning something, you don't see anything else. So Jesus is saying, instead of overcharging your heart with those things, you better take heed and overcharge it with God because he will not hide anything from you. When you stay long in something that is not in the way of God, your heart is pumped up concerning those things. You will never see when God is speaking. Am I still communicating here? So the totality and the dependency must be on God. We must follow God in all our ways. What is God saying to us when things are happening? What is God saying to us when things are not happening? And guess what? He reveals. You know, it was Joseph in the prison and then brought out a writing, written, and all of that. How is it to be explained? And he was the only man who could explain. And he said, there's going to be a great famine. Famine is going to come in the next seven years. <laughs> if there was no man to interpret that vision, they would have done nothing concerning it year one to year seven. They would have suffered the way every other person suffered. But because they, there was a man that listened to God and knew the ways of God, a man who will not budge, but always be attentive to what God is saying, he was able to rescue the land. And the Bible said they gathered for seven years that people from all over the place started coming to get from them. What is God saying concerning when nothing is happening, when everything is going smoothly? What is God saying when things are not going smoothly? Praise God. So, we are not unaware of the devices, of the wiles of the devil. Praise God. I said, praise God. Now, let's examine Acts of the Apostles. And we are going to begin to see how they followed the leading of the Spirit. And don't forget, we are still dwelling on the inward witness. Praise God. With the short time I have, I'm going to speed up. Praise God. All right. Acts 27. Verses 10 to 12. Praise God. If you are there, say amen. He now says, this is Paul. They are in a voyage sailing somewhere. And this could be so many believers today. Because you are not attentive to what God is saying. You think that when the weather is clear, it must be God. When the weather is not clear, it's not God. Now, let's look at this. Verse 10. And said unto them, Sirs, 
I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the laden and sheep, but also of our lives. Do you know when God gives you words and you look into the horizon, everything looks good. It will almost look like the person who brought the word to you is a prophet liar. Am I communicating here? He said, nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Hey. Now, what did the master give? You know, before you travel on the plane, they, they already know what the weather is going to look like. And they have a compass that tells them things. So these people, the masters have done their due diligence. But when Paul was now speaking out of the spirit man, they didn't believe what Paul was saying. And they believed the report that the man has given to them. Saying, by science, we figured it out. Everything is good. The coast is clear. All that glitter is not good like they say. <laughs> Praise God. So look at this. And because the heaven was not commodious to winter. In other words, it was clear. There was nothing to say that snow will fall today. Now, you, you just see how aside look. And I tell you, hurry home. For there's going to be snow as such that has never snowed before. Some of you will say, Pastor, I've gone crazy. So, they were looking at the signs and they calculated and said, well, the weather is clear. Let's, let's, how can science mislead us? There's no way. We have been following this science for a long time. So the reason they believed, you know, if, if there was even some, some wind shaking them small, small, they would paraventure think, okay, maybe this will progress. Everything, the coast was clear. Are we still here? He says, the more part advised to depart things also, if by any means they might attempt to finish and dare to winter, which is a unhaven of Crete, and lieth toward the south and northwest. Glory to God. Look at verse 18. <laughs> and we've been exceedingly tossed with a tempest. Now, all that Paul said had come to pass. They didn't believe it before. Because they believed on the humanistic report other than what the Spirit was saying. Paul was warning them, what I see is beyond what you are seeing. They say, you are not seeing clearly. The humanistic report will always tell the spiritual man is not seeing clearly. Are we together here? They will always tell you, you don't know what you are doing. You don't know what you are saying. What, what sort of leading are you following? All that Paul said came to pass. <laughs> Let's read further. I've been suddenly tossed with a tempest. The next day, they lightened the ship. Did Paul prophesy that? He said their voyage, the ship itself, and even their lives. And the third day, we cast out with our own hands 
the tacklings of the sheep. That means they were trying to make the sheep stable. So they threw those things so that it can stabilize the sheep. When people refuse to yield to what the Spirit is saying. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should, have, we should be saved was then taken away. So they were at the brink where they were going to lose their lives because they refused to yield to what the man of the Spirit was telling them. He says, but after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have akined unto me and not have loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the sheep. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. The fact is they still lose something. Some of them, they carried their business. They were moving to another location. All the money they invested or capsided by virtue of not yielding. But there was a man of the spirit who said, Lord, I didn't want to go. They forced me. And you know, if not that I'm arrested, I won't go. While he was meditating, the angel of the Lord stood up and said, don't worry yourself anymore. You will not lose your life. But initially... He said, I saw not only the voyage, even the lives of the people. It was Bishop De Voyetikba who said, a man's frustration is traceable to his relocation out of divine location. 100% truth. When the spirit He's not littered you. You think this glitters. You think this is gold. At the end of the day, you will find out you wouldn't have made the move you made. Look at 24. Saying, fear not Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God had given, de given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. For I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. <laughs> At this point, they will, they, they, Paul would not even need to finish. They will clip onto him and say, sir, we follow. I remember when Pastor Jay was caught in, um, from Las Vegas coming to Indianapolis. When the engine blew. Thousands of men above sea level. He was enjoying himself in first class. <laughs> and and wasn't I can I can speak freely, right? <laughs> what is interesting is that by the leading of the spirit, I told him, don't do that, don't go, don't go. <laughs> he didn't hear. He's here, he can tell you the full story. I'm not about to go into it. <laughs> so when he returned, I saw him. I say, um, I have not called Pastor Jay. Um, he's right in front of me, sir. What did you say? Where, what message do you want to say? I'm wondering, what's going on? You, you are not overly too humble. 
<laughs> What's happening? And then he say, after service, he say, Pastor, hmm, and give me the story. <laughs> but thank God, he still had that opportunity. Because what happened on that plane, many people go through it. And that's how we hear the end of their story. You cannot do things on your own. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, there is something that we are never oblivious of, which was following the leading of the Spirit. We are going to see that very quickly here. So thank God. While others were shouting and the, the pilot saying, brace yourself for impact, my, my brother began to blast in tongues. And the, the big guys that were sitting on that plane before, who were big guys, who will not even say words to him, now have to go and hold him. And that created a prayer chain. When all else fails, you still turn back to God. Because he's the God that can never fail. He careth for you. So don't think we don't know what we are doing when we are leading you. Praise God. And today is here is a living testimony. So don't trust in yourself. Look at Psalm 118. Psalm 118. I want to go into something quickly. Psalm 118 verse 8. Psalm 118 verse 8. Hallelujah. So before you make that move, before, before what looks good pull you into it, what is God telling you? Verse 8. He says, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. This is Old Testament. They didn't have the spirit within. They only had the spirit upon. And yet, they trusted. You are basking in the realities of Christ. You have the spirit of God in you. Why are you in a hurry? Making decisions that God is not letting you make. And you know, God's love is so good that he will let you make those decisions. Because he does not have willpower over you. You have to submit yourself to him. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. The word there is that he will make your way prosperous. Come to think of it, how old are you? How old are you? That you think you know it better than God who created the universe. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof and they that dwell therein. 
one thing the enemy would do is to make sure you don't be in fellowship to hear things like this. It's a setup. Because the moment it can keep you there, it will only let you see. Whether you like it or not, something is still leading you. You don't know. Is either you are led by the spirit or you are led by the flesh. So when you are not being led by the spirit, something is still leading you. It will make you think it's the spirit, but it's the flesh leading you. So he says, trust in the Lord in all thy ways. Lean not in your... So there is an understanding pertaining to humanity. He says, lean not on them. Because the understanding pertaining to the humanity will not lead you to a prosperous way. So does that mean we cannot learn things like hard work from people who are not believers? No, that's not what I'm saying. But when it comes to hard work, you will also notice that when you are working hard, you are working hard, you are breaking yourself down. And you now realize, you thought you were learning this hard work, but that's not their hard work. Praise God. What is God saying? Because if God did not tell you go and you go, you're on your own. Are we understanding something here? You imagine in Genesis chapter 13, Abraham and Lot. God told Abraham, leave where you are known. And Abraham, out of sympathy, took his brother Lot. When I look into the meaning and the Hebrew word for Lot, it means covering or a veil. So I was right when I said that time that Abraham missed a lot because he took Lot. Glory to God. All right, let's get back here. <laughs> Praise God. So you can imagine, they are in the middle of nowhere. And they got to a place, the plains of Jordan. And there was a vast majority of land well watered, green grass. Everything was prosperous. The servants of, of, Moses, of, of, of uh, Abraham and Lot, they were fighting over it. And Abraham said, look, we are brothers. Let's calm down. Let's treat this well. So Abraham was wise. He said, Lord, you're my brother. Let's not push this further. Look at this place and look at this place. Choose one unto thee. You will go that way, I will go the other way. Lord did what every man will do today. <laughs> Lord looked at this side. Ha! Ah, he saw the green leaves. He saw that the land is well watered. Everything was beautiful and prosperous. He looked at the other side. The heat that beat on that land. There is no way grass, when I mean grass, weeds, you know, weeds. Grass that is not beneficial can even grow. <laughs> he looked at Abraham. I should choose? He said yes. Okay. Where are my servants? Start moving this way. You see, I should choose. Start moving this way. They were moving. He said, Abraham, I pick Sodom and Gomorrah. Where everything seemed to be very well watered and well lated. Abraham, you can go the other side. Everything was good. But guess what? Till the death of Loth. Um, um, Sodom and Gomorrah became his problem. I hope you know so. 
and that it took Abraham who went to a place. And God now said, after Lot chose, God now said, hey, Abraham, now you are following the leading. Look, and as far as your eyes can see, I give unto you. That was when Abraham started moving. Guess what? That same Sodom and Gomorrah was burnt down. That same Sodom and Gomorrah was where Lot's wife became pillar of salt. When you are going directions that God has not led you, you will suffer some things. The reason I'm telling you today, yield to the leading of the Spirit. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Quickly, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8 to 14. Ecclesiastes 7, 8 to 14. Very quickly, very quickly. I have a few more minutes here. Hallelujah. 8 to 14. There you go. He said, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. So don't always look at now. Look at where we are going. Look at where we are going. God did not bring you here by accident. Look at where we are going. Look at, see verse 9. He said, be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry. For hunger rested in the bosom of fools. Next verse. Say not thou, what is the cause that the former days were better than this? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. So when you are saying this, you are not inquiring wisely. He said, you are not tired. Look at verse 10. Is it verse 10 or 11 now? 11. He said, wisdom is good with an inheritance. And by it there is profit to them that see the sun. For wisdom is a defense. And money is a defense. But the excellency of knowledge is that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. Oh, I thought that hallelujah would be better. Look at verse 13 now. It now says, Consider the work of God, for who can make that straight which he hath made crooked? Next verse. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider God also hath set the one over against the other. To the end that man should find nothing after him. So he must all lead to God. He's wanting you to look inward. He's wanting you to look at him. So the question is, are you looking at him enough? Do you think where you are now, God is not doing something for you? Let me tell you something. So many people desire to be here just like you are. So don't ever think, oh, people don't desire to be here. Praise God. I said, praise God. So how did they depend on God? Look at Acts chapter 1 verse 26. Acts 1 26. Let me speed up now. Acts 1 26. Acts 1 26. Acts chapter 1 verse 26. He said, and they gave forth their lots. And the Lord fell upon Matthias. And he was numbered with the 11 apostles. Don't forget Matthias was now the guy who replaced Judas. 
Remember in the prophecy, you will read in verse 24, how they prayed. So in the prophecy, um, 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 Judas had betrayed, I mean in the prophecy, he said, his bishopric shall another man take. So Judas had betrayed God, I mean Christ, and yet they are about to choose a replacement. And when they prayed, they picked out two people with perfect qualification. Have you got into a crossroad of decisions where you have two perfect qualifications? <laughs> Should I go here? Should I go there? So these people prayed. And after they had prayed, they came back with the two. So biblically, they are believers in Christ. They are full of knowledge. They are full of the Holy Ghost. They are full of patience. They are full of faith. So who do we choose? This will also help the, the single brothers and sisters too. Praise God. Who do we choose? And it cannot be the two of them. It has to be one. So what did they do? The Bible said in 26, it said they gave their lot and the lot fell on Matthias. You know that lot there is not... Um, what you call this uh, lottery. You know lottery, how you put a lot of numbers in, you turn it, turn it, turn it, and then you pick one. That's not what it is. In my language, they talk about Praise God. So, you know, I know every tribe have their own. They are not picking, they are singing this song. It used to be a game we play in childhood, and they do not pick one out. No. So, what is this lot? This shows to you. Even in their prayers, they're dependent on God. So, this lot there is what we usually call Urim and Tumim from the Old Testament. Are you following? Let's examine very quickly. Brother Collins, be speedily with me. 1 Samuel 28 verse 6. 1 Samuel 28 verse 6. 28 verse 6. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by the prophets. Are you following? Look at Exodus 28, verse 30. Exodus 28, verse 30. And thou shalt put in the breastplate of judgment, the Urim and the Tumim, and they shall put upon, they shall be, put, shall be upon Aaron's heart when he goeth in before the Lord. And Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel upon his heart before the Lord continually. So, what is Urim? In the Old Testament, Urim means light. It was stones kept in a pouch on the high priest's breastplate. And it was used in determining God's decision on certain matters or issues. Are we together? That's Urim. Then the word Tumim 
in the Old Testament means perfection. And it's also stones provided for the means of achieving a sacred lot. So, when Urim and Tumim was used, it was used to determine God's direction concerning a matter. And this was on decision making. Are you following me? It was on decision making. Notice where the high priest kept it. He said, for Aaron kept it in his heart, close to his heart. So this means that in the Old Testament, God wanted his, the children of Israel to be led by the Spirit. In that, they didn't take any decisions unless they consulted. So it was, you know, this consultation was something the, the religious folks came out with in the Old Testament. What are they consulting? They are consulting with God. They had prophets and they had priests. So when they are about to make decisions, they don't make it on their own. They don't just wake up, see, I decide. Praise God. Are we still together here? Praise God. They decide. Look at Leviticus chapter 8 verse 8. Leviticus chapter 8 verse 8. Leviticus chapter 8 verse 8. And he put the breastplate upon him. Also, he put in the breastplate the urim and the tumim. Are you following? Are you sure? Now, again, quickly, Numbers chapter 27, verse 21 to 23. Numbers 27. Collins, you are doing a great job. And uh, who is back there? You are doing a great job. Glory to God. Numbers 27. And he put, he shall stand before Eleazar the priest, who shall ask counsel for him after the judgment of Urim before the Lord. At his word shall they go out, and at his word shall they come in. But he and all the children of Israel within, even all the congregation. So they are seeking, they are seeking for counsel. Look at verse 22. He said, and Moses did as the Lord commanded him. And he took Joshua and set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation. And he laid his hands upon him and gave him a charge as the Lord commanded the hand of Moses. So the usage of Urim or Tumim in the Old Testament was for decision making. Are we following now, um, look at 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 10 to 13. And don't forget, the usage of this was to make specific decisions. 1 Samuel 23, 10 to 13. Then said David, O Lord God of Israel, thy servant hath certainly heard that Saul seeketh to come to Kela to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Kela deliver me up unto his hand? Will Saul come down? As thy servant had heard, O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant, and the Lord said, he will come. In verse 12, he said, Then said David, Will the men of Kela deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will deliver thee up. Then in verse 13, Then David and his men which were about 600 arose and departed out of Kela. 
and went whithersoever they could go. And it was told Saul that David was escaped from Kela and forbear to go forth. So this is Saul coming against the life of David. And David inquired of the Lord. Notice, just hearing that, you hear that there's an enemy coming to kill you. What will be your very first instinct? Come on, church. You didn't say it well. Some of you will flee. <laughs> you will fly undercover. But notice David did not go that way. Before he made any move, he had to inquire of the Lord. So in, in, in this type of decision making, this type of leading, you are presented with the option, should I do this or not? And how many of you have been there? <laughs> Praise God. And then some of you have not even prayed. Or some of you, after you are praying a while, you say, ah, I know, Joe. Some of you, you have made the decision before you realize you have made it. So, but David said, will Saul really come? God said, he will come. Okay, now, if Saul come, is there safety in this place or not? Will they deliver me up? God said, they will deliver. So the next thing, he didn't need to ask any question again. Because at that point, he knew that if he had asked, should I run? God will say, are you still waiting? <laughs> Praise God. So, it was for specific decisions. So, what they did in the Old Testament, they usually make inquiries seeking what the effort will do. That is the Urim and the Turim. Praise God. I said, praise God. You can read 1 Samuel chapter 30. Okay, let's just read that for the sake of time. 1 Samuel 7, uh, 30 verse 7. Praise God. And David said to Abiata the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the effort. And Abiata brought thither the effort to David. And David inquired at the Lord saying, shall I pursue after the, this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. You see, in every of David's decision making, he made an inquiry to God. So the priest, you know, once they are making that inquiry, the urine miraculously will light up in the breastplate. Are we together? It will miraculously light up. So, uh, let's just keep a lot of things now because, again, when you now notice in the Old Testament when they were talking about possessions, they also used lots for possessions. So, we cast their lot and they would take, they didn't just say, um, this land will be mine. Of course, they have to have learned from, from Brother Lot. They, they have to have learned. So, they used lots to apportion lands. Praise God. So the urine will miraculously light up and the tummy will cast a direction. And they just cast a direction between two. So in Acts chapter 1 verse 26, what they did was imbibing what they knew for the usage of urine and tumorim to know what God and who God has chosen among the two. And the urine fell on Matthias. So they made that decision. But we got the Holy Ghost. I said we got the Holy Ghost. I said we got the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. So we are now told that 
the spirit of Christ is in us. That urim was used about a few times in the, in the New Testament. Now we have the spirit. So what do we do? That is why we look inward. Don't forget, the urim was placed at the breastplate, closer to the heart. Now we have the spirit in us. Now we are making decisions. What we are doing is looking onto what direction Christ is leading us. So you might be presented with two. With two. Don't listen to your emotions. Because most of the time, you will allow the emotions to answer. Forget about emotions. Listen to what God is saying. If God said, this is it, this is it. This is it. Peter said, we will obey God and suffer the consequences. This is it. If God said this, we can't say that. If God said no, no. Even if you try to say yes, you are on your own. I want you to rise on your feet. Pray this morning. Pray this morning. He cares for you. He's the reason why he is guiding you. He wants to lead you. The question is, have you allowed yourself to be led by him? Look again and see what the Spirit is asking you to do. Just pray. In every areas of your life, Lord, today, I yield completely to your leading. I yield completely to your yielding. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. We hope your soul has been truly enriched. More video and audio teachings are available on our website, www.ChristRehobothChurch.com. Follow our social media pages and check us out on Facebook, Kingsley Agu Ministry, and on YouTube, Kingsley Agu Ministry.